Today on CityCast Philly, navigating SEPTA can be tricky sometimes. Many of us have had that moment where you're like, wait, is this my stop? Which stairwell am I supposed to go down? Or, oh my God, am I on the right platform? And for folks with disabilities, taking public transit can be especially daunting. But SEPTA recently started a project to make subway stations and trains more accessible over the next decade. I'm speaking with two people connected to the project about what it's going to look like. It's Thursday, October 6, 2022. I'm Trinae Nari, and this is CityCast Philly. I'm here with Cassandra West of SEPTA and Charles Horton, a disability rights advocate who's on the board of directors for Disability Pride PA. Thanks, y'all, for joining me. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me. Thank you for having us. So SEPTA has received $500 million from the federal infrastructure bill to make more subway trains and stations ADA compliant. This includes adding more elevators, renovating platforms, and adding new signage. But Charles, I'm curious, what does expanding access mean to you? Well, when you talk about access, you have to look at all individuals that have disabilities. So it's a lot of times when people think about access, they always visualize or they think about just individuals with wheelchair. But we are a really a large community with different needs, different supports that's required. So when you say access, you really have to look at the community as a whole because we're growing, we're doing more things throughout the world, we're working, we're traveling, we're going to see our friends. The world is just really opening up. And it's great to see that, I mean, with SEPTA and a lot of other organizations recognizing that we are a community that needs to be looked at and supported but we as a community ourselves need to be really active in that process to make sure our voices is heard to what the new world is going to be. Cassandra, what's SEPTA's main goal with this $500 million you're getting from the government? Well, SEPTA has a lot of stations and we've got a lot of work to do. Our biggest goal is bringing our entire system into full ADA compliance. That has been a long time goal of ours. Um, this infrastructure bill really reflects the first time since the signing of the ADA that there has been funding dedicated to making stations ADA compliant. So we've got a lot of projects ahead this of us. This is historical, yeah. It is, it's amazing. And you said ADA compliant. Can you tell us a little bit what does that really mean? What does that really look like for SEPTA? Okay, well, there are actually, what I'll say is what it looks like for SEPTA and then what's actually required by the law. And most of the times so those things are aligned and a lot of times we like to do what's beyond what's absolutely required. The ADA regulations say that transit has to be accessible to and usable by people with disabilities. So one of the requirements is having, you know, a high level platform so that people can board levelly and where stations are, you know, we have subway stations, you have to have elevators to get right. to them. So, you know, we've put in a lot of elevators over the last few years and we're going to put in a lot more. 
that also involves with our trolley lines. Our trolley cars are older than the ADA. So <laughs> wow, we'll be yeah. purchasing a new fleet. So, you know, th- it looks like a lot for SEPTA. Now, SEPTA's entire bus line has been ADA compliant since the early 2000s. And there are regional rail trains and paratransit buses that have accessibility features as well. I know that SEPTA is um, planning to use this $500 million to make the Market Frankfurt line and the Broad Street line completely ADA compliant by 2033. But what else will the money be going towards? I think to Charles' point, all of these things are not just about level boarding and projects that will improve the access for people who are using wheelchairs or have other mobility challenges. You know, we're looking at wayfinding, we're looking at signage, we're doing some projects um, at another station specific to people who are blind and visually impaired. We're also currently putting in some new digital signage. Um, These are things that our deaf and hard of hearing riders have been asking for for years. So having this funding, you know, I think a lot of times it wasn't that we weren't listening. We've always been planning. And when we get the funding, now we can really implement a lot of these changes. To SEPTA's credit, we're a legacy system. We're one of the oldest transit systems in the country. And there were even like exceptions written into regulations for Philadelphia and New York in terms of how and when to get these stations done. And I think, you know, I actually worked in New York transit prior to coming here and I'm amazed at the commitment that SEPTA has toward, you know, moving these projects along. Have you all thought about how you're going to maintain all of these new changes and how are you going to keep things clean and working Yes, um, maintenance is a huge part of what we do. And, you know, like we've been through some really tough times and, you know, we've really, really tried to focus on cleanliness. Um, Maintenance in terms of making sure things are working is incredibly important. We are out every single day. Um, Even I myself, I have certain paths I take and check, you know, like, is this, you know, how does this look? Um, we invite our customers and even all employees now um, can contact us, you know, if you see something, you know, like, so it's not just if you see something, say something in terms of danger. If you see something that's not right, that needs to be cleaned, call us and we will, you know, get somebody on it as soon as possible. Is there a 311 equivalent number for SEPTA that they can call if they run into any issues um, while they're in transit? Absolutely. Um, You can actually call our access link and that's Mm 215-580-7810. That gets you to the next available customer service specialist and they will help you with whatever that concern is. Charles, what are some ways SEPTA has worked with your community on these plans as they've expanded accessibility? Um, I know they've, they've done a lot of programs recently to take in consideration individuals um, with this. Is this a wayfinding program? And I participated with the program where they had me actually put on some glasses and they were kind of triggered into what my viewpoints are. And I had to go around to some of the SEPTA stations and 
they could see what I was looking at, what came mm-hmm. to the eye of somebody that's in the I'm in a wheelchair, I think. I, I didn't say. But when they followed me, they asked me a series of questions to say, okay, where, looking at a SEPTA map, how would I get from point A to point B? And what it did attract my eyes to see how I figured out and how I looked at different things within the city on that map to how I would get from one place to the next. And what would I catch? What ways would I travel? I think it was really inviting to get the perspective of individuals with various types of disabilities. You know, it's nothing about us without us. And another thing that I think is really important for our community to know is that there is uh, like the travel center that is really important for our community to, to take advantage of that teaches travel training. So yeah, a little over 10 years ago, we opened the Accessible Travel Center. And the goal initially was to help people learn how to use transit. So we can make a system accessible too by building stations and buying vehicles, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot more that has to go into accessibility than just building, you know, stations. We have a mock-up of a bus, we have mock-ups of the train platforms, the railroad, the Broad Street line, the Market Frankfurt line, we've got a gap in the floor, we've got bridge plates, we've got turnstiles. All of the skills that you need to do and learn and master to use transit, we can teach you there. We have two staff occupational therapists that really specialize in teaching people, you know, how, what they need to do to be able to travel. But it gives you the freedom to practice without the pressure of people who are trying to get somewhere. You know, you can really master the skill before you go out and put it into practice. And, you know, we have had some incredible experiences. I think one of the sad things that we do is when we get people really going where they can travel on almost of SEPTA and they go on with their lives and like, we never see them again. <laughs> so, you know, at the same time, it's a good thing, but right. you're kind of like, like oh, gee, I wonder what will happen to them. <laughs> But, you know, like, you know, they're out, you know, like they're out living their life. So that's, that's you know, and it's a wonderful thing. And we do this for free. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, travel training is available to anyone. And it's not limited to people with disabilities either. Now, Charles, I want to shift the conversation. You know, you've been working in the accessibility community for over 25 years. You've talked with people over the years. What have they told you? What are some of their most immediate needs for riding public transportation? Well, one of the, I think one of the biggest immediate needs is, is that individuals, especially in our community, in the world that we live in today is safety and support around that. And that's one of the, thing, one of the reasons why I brought up like the travel training, because a lot of people in our community don't feel safe. Well, in, in, you look at it in, in two different ways. Is, is you might you don't feel safe when it comes down to a new person with a disability you know when you're new to this world everything is scary you know people looking at me is scary can I ask a question what can I do now that I have a disability and how are people are going to accept me or support me and so that part is very, very big is, is a person with a new injury trying to venture out into this world to find my independence. That is so scary. I'll tell you, I predate the ADA before I had a disability. And it was really a, um, 
a learning process to find my independence. And that's what you have to do. You have to find your independence. Because sometimes your family can be the one that the biggest blocker to, for you to get to that road to where you can be yourself. And then you have to find your own community. And how do you find your own community when in this world today? And sometimes it's about being together, being around one another. Like with Disability Pride, which I'm the chair of the board, it's just like we have a lot of events. But how do you get there? You know, and having the ability to use paratransit, to use public transportation, to get to there, to find your village, you know. And once you find your village, that's a part of starting to live because you can start sharing. How did you how did you get a house? How did you learn how to drive? How did you start school? What is a good program? So when we kind of get together, we have those conversations of independence and the road to independence. So transportation is one of the key processes of finding your independence. So it's transportation, education, housing, and employment. And once you grasp a road or pathway for yourself in those four aspects of independence, then you start to live. You have a full life. And then you can claim what you want. Define your world. Define your place. Define whatever you want to be. Define your independence. Transportation is key to that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Cassandra West is SEPTA Director of Program Eligibility and Regulatory Compliance, and Charles Horton is Chair of the Board of Directors at Disability Pride PA. Thanks so much for being here on CityCast Philly. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. If you'd like to reach out to SEPTA about this project, visit planning.septa.org. We're also going to drop some links in our show notes to the organization that Charles is a part of, Disability Pride PA. And here's what else Philly's talking about. Philadelphia police released video clips and screenshots of five suspected shooters in last week's fatal shooting outside of Roxborough High School. According to the Inquirer, the images show the suspects were at a gas station and convenience store, all wearing black clothing and ski masks, making it hard to get a clear view of their faces. Also, police have identified 16-year-old Dayron Bernie Thorne, who they believe was involved. There is a $45,000 reward for any information leading to an arrest and conviction in this case. A Philadelphia judge blocked the city's gun ban at rec centers. According to Philly Voice, Judge Joshua Roberts claimed the ban violates the Uniform Firearms Act, a state law that prevents municipalities from enacting their own gun laws. Mayor Jim Kenney enacted the ban after a shooting in front of Mill Creek Playground in West Philly. Tiffany Fletcher, an employee at the rec center, was killed by a stray bullet. And for some good news, congrats to K. Barry Sharpless. According to the Inquirer, he's won his second, his second Nobel Prize in chemistry. The 81-year-old Philly native won his first Nobel Prize back in 2001. How cool is that? You know what? I learned so much this week, y'all. From cool food spots in the city to the upcoming improvements on SEPTA. 
but I gotta thank my team. Our lead producer is Alexandra McMahon. Our producer is Abby Fritz. Our newsletter editor is Brittany Valentine. And our host is me, Trinae Nuri. Music is by Philly Zone Interminable. What'd you think of the show so far? Let us know by leaving a review. And be sure to subscribe to our morning newsletter too. Hope you have a great weekend and be safe out there. We'll be back Tuesday with more news from around the city. Bye. What am I, PBS special?